You're listening to Cockjib Newsletter Speaks, the e-podcast. This is uh, series number six, episode number 14. For Friday, the 9th of February, 2024, J.J. Sefton here, along with my good friend, co-blogger, colleague, uh, CBD. And we have a very, very extra special guest here making a return appearance uh, with some truly uh, frightening and amazing uh, news to share with us. And I'll let CBD make the introduction. So, folks, we have Jim Lakeley, who is the Vice President and Director of Communications for the Heartland Institute. Um, You may recall a couple of months ago, they commissioned a poll and found some fascinating and actually chilling uh, data about the people who uh, did um, non-day of the election voting, um, primarily a mail-in ballots. And they found that, uh, uh, you know, in in excess of 25% of them broke at least one law. Um, So they did a follow-up that was released uh, this this past Tuesday, and they did a statistical analysis and found some even more chilling information. And uh, you know something? I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to let Jim explain. Hey, fellas. It's uh, fantastic to be on your podcast again. Uh, I really enjoy it, and uh, I don't know if we're going to enjoy this one. (laughs) <laughs> but it's 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 something that your listeners should should know more about for sure. So yeah, CBD, as you mentioned, uh, we had released a poll. The Heartland Institute did. We're a free market think tank, a national free market think tank based in uh, in suburbs of Chicago. Uh, and you can look us up at heartland.org. And in fact, you can see the results of our analysis of a shocking poll that we had released back in December. And as you mentioned, we just released it um, this past Tuesday. And so just to kind of back up, so so the poll that we released in December, and it made huge news, and we talked about it on this very podcast, uh, it made huge news across the country. And it showed that about one in five, actually, and as we dig down into the numbers, uh, when we got the raw data and had the time to really dig into the raw data for Rasmussen, who, who did the poll with us, it's actually more like one in four voters who mailed in their ballots in the 2020 election committed some sort of voter fraud. Um, they may have done it unintentionally. They may have had nefarious uh, motives and did it intentionally to swing the results. But regardless, about one in four people who mailed in ballots during the 2020 election, and it was a nationwide survey, committed some sort of, of uh, voter fraud. It's things like voting, 21% of the voters said, or the respondents to the poll who mailed in their ballots in the 2020 election, said they voted in a state where they are no longer a permanent resident, 21%. That, ladies and gentlemen, is voter fraud. That's illegal. You're not allowed to do that. And in fact, you can and should be prosecuted and go to jail for doing something like that. 21% of of people who mailed in their ballots in the 2020 election in this nationwide survey by Rasmussen and the Heartland Institute said that they filled out a ballot for a friend or a family member. In almost every circumstance and in every state, that is not a legal activity. That is fraud and a ballot that is um, proven or shown to be not filled out by the person on the ballot whose name is on the mail-in ballot. That ballot should be thrown away and not counted in the election. Uh, 17% of mail-in voters said they signed a ballot for a friend or a family member, quote, with or without his or her permission. Now, you don't have to be an attorney to know that if you sign uh, CBD, if if the if the if if I happen to uh, walk by your mailbox and the mailman uh, didn't close the door and your ballot fell out and it says the ballot of CBD, 
And I take that home and I fill it out instead. And uh, I sign it. Obviously, that would be without your permission. Um, that would be a crime. I should go to jail. And obviously, that ballot should not be counted. 17% of people said they signed a ballot with or without somebody else's permission who was supposed to have that, that ballot. And then another, another point, and we'll, we'll end it here, 19% of mail-in voters said that a friend or family member filled out their ballot in part or in full on their behalf. Now, again, there may be some circumstances in which that would be legally permissible in some states, but it is in general illegal to do that under almost all circumstances. And so 19% of mail-in voters said they did something like that. Those ballots should have been thrown out. And, uh, you know, that's that's uh, election fraud. So what this poll showed that we released in December was that voter fraud with a massive mailing of ballots. We, this was the largest mail-in ballot, uh, you know, election in American history by orders of enormous magnitude. Uh, what this showed was that there was a lot of voter fraud going on. Because these these survey respondents admitted, self-admitted that they did these things. Um, we 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 didn't. <laughs> to, to full disclosure, we didn't say in the survey that these things are crimes. You know, <laughs> we just described what uh, what actions would be a crime. We just left out the part that this is actually illegal. And people self-reported doing various things that are illegal and should have had their ballots considered spoiled and thrown away. And so after we had seen those shocking results, we dig down into the data a little bit deeper and we decided, OK, Donald Trump won the election. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. A spoiler alert. Gosh, 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 gosh. All right. So so Joe Biden won the election very narrowly, although his Electoral College victory was relatively comfortable. He won it by very narrow margins in six key swing states, those being Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. So we, so we thought, okay, let's apply this one in four level of voter fraud to each of those states. Let's look up the data as, as much as we can um, to see what percentage of ballots in those states were mailed in. Let's determine if we can which uh, a supporter of which candidate had the most number of mail-in ballots or the highest percentage of that. Um, some of the states actually track this data specifically and accurately. In others, we depended on um, polling results from um, the Associated Press, um, you know, about as reputable, reputable as you can get if you, you know, when it comes to polling and, and election polling. And so we, we applied to each of these states. And we found that uh, and then we took it. So we're like one in four voter fraud. OK, so, you know, a lot of people when we released this poll, guys, we're like, come on, come on. That can't be right. That can't be right. It cannot be right that one in five or one in four people who mailed in their ballots committed some sort of voter fraud. OK, that's what the survey results show. But if you want to believe that, that's fine. What if the what if the uh, voter fraud level was 15 percent? What if it was 10 percent? What if it was 5%? Are you telling me now that <laughs> when, when this, this poll shows that one in five committed some sort of voter fraud, you're telling me that it couldn't be at least 5%? And so what we did is we applied what, what I called, as we were discussing this and working on this report, kind of the level of fraud in each of these states. And 
Uh, in fact, we ran 29 um, fraud scenarios as far as percentage of uh, mail-in ballots that were, were fraudulent and should have been thrown away. 29 different levels of fraud. In 26 of those 29 levels, Joe Biden did not win the 2020 presidential election. Donald Trump did. Um, in one of the scenarios, the uh, Electoral College vote would have been tied and the House of Representatives would have decided that are the president in the 2020 election. And since uh, Republicans were in control, it's very, very likely Donald Trump would have been uh, uh, president right now under that scenario. So this is this is the real world application of what people might consider sort of an abstract uh, you know, exploration of voter fraud in the poll that we did in December. This has very real world, real world results and it affected our election in a very real way in some of these uh, very key states. And as long as our, as our elections continue to be this broken, um, we, you know, we don't have, we don't really have a country, do we? No, no. you're absolutely correct. Yeah. And, and in fact, these numbers are, are damning. And I'd like to point out that uh, they're probably uh, undercounting the amount of fraud because a certain percentage of the people who, uh, who were polled obviously knew that these that these various behaviors were criminal and answered no of sure. course i didn't do that um so if anything these the your your poll undercounted the amount of fraud right and and also to, it's important to point out i think that this just asked what people did with their own ballots this does not count cover any other kind of voter fraud like um vote har or ballot harvesting or stuffing the stuffing the um the ballot box, or I don't know, showing up at the at the counting place at three in the morning with uh, a truck a truck full of uh, boxes of ballots that just appeared out of nowhere. So this only covers what people admitted they did with their own supposedly legal ballots that arrived in their home. It's it's really you know I'm I'm completely gobsmacked over this, and because I have. You know, I mean, anybody with eyes to see, you know, regardless of what your political affiliation is, if you if you are honest with yourself, you saw what happened on election night and alone, just just with the with the kicking out of observers, with the stopping of the ballot counting, not only because the toilet overflowed in Atlanta that that caused the six states to, to stop the ballot counting. But that's never happened on any election night ever during times of war, during times of peace, during times of anarchy and so on and so forth. That has literally never happened. And then on top of that, election observers were kicked out. Windows were taped over. And as you said, uh, Jim, the ballots were trucked in. But that's this is not even the, the, the thrust of your uh, of your poll. But right. let me just, you know, just just go move on to something else. And just to, you know, just to play devil's advocate for a moment, the naysayers will say, well, you know, forgetting about the, how you phrase the questions, um, how many people did you poll? I mean, what were the sort of parameters of the poll that that you could sort of extrapolate out to, to get to the one in five, which would, you know, if, if that doesn't really, you know, I mean, how extensive was the poll, that sort of thing? What were the what were the dynamics or the the metrics of the poll or the, the, the uh, you know, the parameters of it that, that lets you with confidence, you know, come to these conclusions? And just I'll say Heartland is above board 100 percent and Rasmussen out of all the polling agencies is probably the most reliable and straight and, and as straight a shooter uh, as you can possibly be. Right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not a pollster, but um, Rasmussen, as you noted, is is one of the most reputable, if not the most reputable polling outfit in the United States. They have their methodologies that are tried and true over decades of work. 
And I believe now you're making me try to remember off the top of my head. I believe the number Sorry. is 1,083 uh, likely voters uh, spread out across the country. There's an even demographic of Republicans and Democrats. There is a representative. Uh, it's also representative of the racial makeup of this country. So it is about as solid as, as it gets. I mean, that's that's how polling is done. All the polls you see, they don't they don't survey 100,000 people. You know, they they have their methods to get a representative sample of America. And especially it's important that you you select people who identify as likely voters or people who have certainly voted in the last few elections. And certainly this was all people who voted in the 2020 election. They wouldn't have been part of the survey. One of the first questions was, did you vote in the 2020 election? <laughs> so these are people that we called up again, uh, a, a, a representative split racially, geographically and by party affiliation who voted in the 2020 election. So it's about as solid as it could possibly be. I, I, I bet snark. I'd say, well, did you get the dead people from Cook County? <laughs> but yeah, goes without saying. <laughs> but this is, you know, it's just, it's, it's again. I'm just completely apoplectic over this because, as I said, we we suspected it. I mean, it, we had eyes to see that this was some dirty pool going on. And before that, the whole notion of mail-in balloting and, and all of this stuff, ballot harvesting, especially mail-in ballots that you don't have to track, that nobody is tracking. Uh, that have no way of verifying if someone who voted is the legitimate person or is not the legitimate person. And of all people, this goes back to, and I wrote about this in my article, Attacking Mag, which was covering covering the poll. Yeah. Of all people, Jimmy Carter, back in 2005, when he wrote a uh, a report along with uh, James Baker III, basically stated that mail-in voting and, and uh, you know, these kind of ballots are really the the one of the, the key ways of, of, of rigging an election. Uh, and and for him to say this back then is you know it, it, you know is quite something. And this was done. It, sh it should point out in the wake of the 2000 elections and the 2004 elections that saw you know Al Gore and John Kerry go down to defeat. So it's it's ironic and bitterly ironic that you have these people complaining about it. And now here we are, you know, 20 years later. And uh, what what are you talking about? Mail-in ballots are to not have that would disenfranchise uh, you know minorities and so on and so forth. So to, so to play the devil's advocate, I would suggest that uh, at least some of these ballots were voted by friends um, mm. and they probably were voted correctly. So uh, I guess you could correct you could correct the numbers for that, that yes, they that person would have voted that way anyway. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, to, to assume that more than than a, than some would would have voted the same way is i think irrational and simply not not borne out by the data there there are no data to to back that up well cbd if i wanted to die and i asked you to shoot me in the head are you still not guilty of murder because i wanted to die and i said so it doesn't matter the way these people may have voted um it's illegal to do that and that ballot is spoiled and needs to be thrown away and in, in operating secure don't even get me into the gaslighting about that the most secure election in american history um <laughs> those those ballots should have been thrown away um so so yeah in fact again um we've, we've had some some criticism of this poll from friends and uh enemies alike and we assert we certainly do pay attention to uh lines of criticism from friends and allies and people that we respect and some had said you know but look um you know, if, if say you're you're living with your grandmother and she's always been a you know rock rib Democrat, 
and the ballot come the mail-in ballot comes in and you know she's uh, in the wheelchair now she'd love to go vote but you know it's wonderful that now this convenience is right here but you know her hand is a little shaky and she might not fill in the bubble correctly so i'm going to ask her who she wants to vote for and um uh, and fill it out for her and i'll even sign it for her and then we'll, we'll send it in um did, would something like that happen? Of course, something like that would happen. Would it profoundly affect the results of this uh, of our poll and these results? No, that, that's the kind of thing that happens on the margin. Again, the reason we wanted to dig down and go to this state by state by continually lowering what we found as the percentage of fraud nationwide in each of these states is to is to basically, in people's common sense minds, account for that. So even if there, even if that grandma scenario I just laid out happened a lot, let's say it happened in let's let's just for the sake of argument say, um, you know, ten percent of the people who said they filled out a ballot and signed it for somebody else. Let's just this is I think this is ridiculous. Let's just say ten or fifteen or twenty percent of those of that type of voter fraud was that grandma scenario. Does that re does that affect the 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 outcome of the election or or the results of our study? It does not. Because if you go to heartland.org and you click on the very first thing featured there, you'll see our summary of the report. And you can read the report yep. for yourself. And on page 20, we start laying out the results. And what I, what I, this was actually my labeling idea. We show the official 2020 results in states like Arizona, in those six swing states. And then we show what the secure 2020 results would be if, if our elections, if this actually was the most secure election in American history. And you can see that at 28.2% fraud, which is the, uh, the new fraud number um, that we discovered when, by, by very deeply digging down into the, into the data, um, that Trump wins from anywhere from 27% to 14%. Trump actually wins the Electoral College 289 to 249, very comfortable victory. From 5% and 4% fraud, that's where it gets a little dicey, but at 5% and 4% fraud, it's a tie, and the House of Representatives... Um, elects Donald Trump as president of the United States. And the last, the last little bit of, uh, you know, percentages that we ran out obviously was 3% and, and fewer. Only at 3% fraud does Biden outright win the presidency. Are you going to tell me that, that, that there was less than 3% fraud on the most massive mail-in voting um, scheme in American history? I find that a lot harder to believe than that one in five voters admitted to some sort of voter fraud. And if you don't believe this, I'm, I'm, frankly, I don't like try to tell people what to believe, but if you don't believe the same, you're not using your brain. It just doesn't make any logical sense whatsoever. Well, there you go, not losing the brain. And, and by the way, in an Orwellian sense, it was the most secure election because they sure as hell secured the hell out of it. As uh, Molly Ball, uh, they fortified it in, in Newsweek. Fortified the election, she crowed about. But you know something, and I believe me, I'm not. I'm playing devil's advocate just to play devil's sure. advocate because I, I absolutely this your polls and the analysis absolutely confirms what I believed virtually from the get go from four years ago. But he, here's the thing: even if, even without this, the fact that you're even having this poll and that we're people are even debating the results of it of how accurate it is or how accurate it isn't. It shows beyond the shadow of a doubt that even having this kind of a poll shows that mail-in ballots or anything other than showing up on election day and being a real, live, legitimate voter and, and allowed to vote 
with the purple thumb and just on a paper ballot, mm -hmm. it shows that our system is absolutely corrupted and cannot be trusted, no matter what side of the, of, of the, uh, of the equation you are on. You can't, this is, this is banana Republic bullshit. If freaking Jimmy Carter can, can investigate banana Republic bullshit uh, elections over the course of years, ostensibly because he wants to ensure that non-pro-Americans are, are, you know, get the win like in Zimbabwe. But if he's going to do this and declare that mail-in ballots and absentee ballots are the surest ticket to fraud, then, you know, by God, I mean, it's, it's, it's in your face. I mean, we yeah. cannot have this system. Uh, we're agreeing with Jimmy Carter right now, which is a, a shocking thing. You know, it's interesting, though, that the um, that that the, the matter of intent should have nothing to do with with whether someone breaks the law. Oh, yeah. And you can see the sure. degradation of our legal system. And that is a big, big word in it. It began, at, at least in my memory, with with the um, uh, what's her name? Uh, what, Hillary uh, Hillary Clinton and her lack of intent. Um, mm hmm with with her dealings with her her private uh, email server at, at her home in in chappaqua or wherever the hell she lived um but the as i said the matter of intent really should have nothing to do with it and that's why i said earlier that i was just being the devil's advocate that that intent it means nothing uh you, you broke the law the ballot should be thrown out and donald trump should be the president well, shit. Yesterday, yesterday. I mean, frick, you know, this 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 her guy who freaking basically, you know, Joe Biden, demented or not, broke the damn law. Yeah. And yet, well, we, we can't prosecute him because he's a doddering old man and I will pat him on the head. And I mean, you, you got to be freaking kidding me. This is the corruption is just everywhere. And this, you know, when you lose the franchise like that, that is the last firewall possible, really, before you know, turning us into a, a true tyranny in a banana republic where all bets are off. One of well, the frustrating you, you, things with with the entire idea of of a of an insecure voting system in the United States is that we have we have many many examples of tremendously secure systems. Our banking system, uh, you know, people bitch and moan about a twenty five dollar charge if you bank a, if you bounce a check, but how many errors? Do Americans have to tolerate in their banking system? And the answer is very, very few. I doubt very much that uh, that ATMs in the United States have have failure rates of much more than you know zero point zero zero one percent. That you know people take that kind of stuff seriously. So the 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 construction of a of an essentially perfect voting scheme in the United States is not outside of the realm of possibilities, but. It is obvious that we do not want one. And when I say we, yeah. I am talking about the Democrat Party. And yeah. sadly, um, large, large portions of the of the corporate wing of the Republican Party. Yeah, I mean, J JJ, you, you mentioned the purple finger or the purple thumb, right? And uh, yeah. people will remember that that's a reference to uh, what you would do when you voted in Iraq after we liberated Iraq, everybody, and uh, had a, real elections. People would uh, dip their finger in purple ink and hold it up to the camera to prove that they had voted. And of course, to keep them from circling back and voting again, we guys, you know, they always say that America is the, you know, the, the world's greatest democracy. You know, I know we're a constitutional republic. I'm going to use that term colloquially. All right. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're the world's greatest democracy. We are the beacon of freedom. We are the example for every country in the world to operate their political system because it supposedly assures accuracy and freedom and the will of the people. And we now live in a world, as this study in our poll shows, where post-war Iraq runs better elections than the United States of America. That is absurd. 
Banana Republic, sometimes when you, you guys say that, it, it hardly even captures it, you know? <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's, just, it's just gobsmackingly outrageous, the, the way we run our elections in this country. And this, this shit needs to get fixed. You know, the left and Democrats, and you're going to hear this from here until November from, from the Biden camp, that the mere presence of Donald Trump as a public figure is a itself a threat to democracy. It's a threat to democracy. We must vote for Biden to save our democracy. We must fortify the elections to save our democracy. Do you know what harms democracy? Bullshit elections that the public cannot have any confidence in. That's what destroys democracy. And not in some sort of rhetorical way, um, in, some, in some BS uh, fantasy way that the left has in their heads, but in a very real way, because every fraudulent ballot that is counted cancels yours. When you go to, when you take the time to get up in the morning a little early for work, so you can stop by the, your, your local polling place and do your civic duty. That's all for nothing. You, you people need to take this, this stuff seriously. That's all for, that's for nothing. When a single fraudulent ballot is thrown into the, the lot with the rest of them. That's what is really at stake here. Your franchise, not the franchise, not not just some kind of, you know, vague sense of, you know, uh, democracy or some fair election. Your franchise is canceled with this bullshit. And our states, our state legislatures need to get this buttoned up because you, do you know how you get a uh, lack of faith in democracy when this sort of stuff that the Heartland Institute has exposed is continued is allowed to continue forever. If it wasn't for a lot of the, uh, the work that, frankly, that we have done to expose this, there would be very little proof and hard to, and, and you know, you will ask Republicans who are supposedly allies, they'd say it's very hard to make the, the argument that there's anything really wrong with our elections. No, it's not. Not anymore. Not with this report. This needs yep. to be in front of every state legislator and they need to fix their election laws and this stupid mass mailing in of, of ballots Clean up those damn uh, election rolls so that uh, I think it was in your post, uh, JJ, the uh, the other the other day, where somebody's 120 year old great grandmother voted in the last election. That you yeah. know, it's a. I live in Chicago. It's it's a joke that the dead vote, but you know, in in a very um, uh, polarized, almost politically violent country like we have now. You really want to see it get bad? Keep keep our elections as being as phony as the last one was. Then it's really going to get bad because we, yeah, we don't have confidence very, that very, these elections are legit. It's going to get worse. That's an important point because because there are very very few things that will energize the United States electorate or lack of electorate um, to act, and being disenfranchised is one of them. Um, I, and I, I I don't know how how America is going to react if it happens again in twenty twenty in the November twenty twenty four. But I think that more and more people are paying attention and the possibility for violent action in response to what America perceives as a, an anti-democratic activity on you know, Tuesday, in, that first Tuesday in November, is something that I wouldn't discount. Now, 10 years ago, I would absolutely discount it. But what I've seen in the last 10 years suggests that, that we are reaching the end of our rope. And 
I think it began um, to go a little bit far afield. I think it began with the overreach of the of the hard left um, going after our children in public schools, trying to convince uh, a large number of them that they are transsexual or or non or non-binary or furries or whatever the hell it is. And America all of a sudden woke up and said, whoa, 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 don't touch our children. Well, I think I think the next step in that is no, 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 don't touch my vote. I agree. I, you know, just to, to riff on what you're saying, CVD, is, is that, and we've been talking about this before, is that the, the landscape of, of, uh, of America in 2024 is much different than it was in, for sure in 2020 and absolutely since 2016. And I think because of the open border primarily, most of all, the disaster that that's caused everywhere you turn, uh, and especially, as you say, with, with the, the going after our children to turn them into freakazoid catamites or whatever the hell they want to turn them into, it's energized a lot of people who were either on the fence or perhaps even Democrat to take a look at their party. And perhaps they're not going to jump on the Trump train, but they sure as hell are not going to support what Biden is doing. There is a lot of anger at Biden right now and the Democrat Party over this border. But uh, to, to riff on what you're saying about the potential for violence, I'm almost and, and this is this is the the Democrats and the left playing with fire here and not knowing what the fuck they're doing. Pardon my French, because by rigging this election and with everything going on today, if there is a shot that perhaps Donald Trump can overcome everything and even win the election without any with, with, with whatever shenanigans, you know, they're going to throw at it. What do you think the left is going to do? They're going to scream bloody murder and scream, uh, you know, the election was stolen, ironically, and they for sure are going to turn take to the streets and cause all kind of chaos that's going to make the, the summer of love in 2020 look like a freaking tea party. I mean, yeah. it's just, this is, these people are, you are right, Jim, we have to somehow clean this up. And as, as, as you and CBD were saying, that CBD, the problem with the GOP is that they're still in this sort of fantasy land of Oh, everything's okay. It's get along, go along. It's not as bad as we think. And our lefty friends across the aisle, uh, they may be whatever, but they do have a certain point. And, you know, it's ridiculous. The fact that they don't go after Mayorkas, that they don't, it's just, you know, collaborationist or call it whatever, what you will, or their head in the sand. This report in their face, if they don't take it seriously, then there is really no excuse. And You're you're absolutely correct. And and by the way, listen, folks, um, we're going far afield now, but, um, Go to the Heartland Institute website. It's heartland.org and read this report. First of all, it's very, very well written. So it's an easy read. But second of all, they lay it out, you know, point after point after point. It's damning. There's, you know, as I said earlier, I I tried to be devil's advocate. I was pulling that one out of my ass. Uh, There's, it's very, very difficult to to poke holes in, in this report. So, Go to go to them and read it. It's absolutely worth a read. Well, you, you know, I was thinking one of one of the most fun election nights, like the most fun, without a doubt, election night of my life. And I'm 53 years old. Was the 2016 election? I sat there watching that uh, instant ticker that uh, that little needle from the New York Times website that would kept predicting. <laughs> I did the same thing. <laughs> oh, that was glorious. It was glorious. <laughs> and it kept, it kept predicting, a, a, you know, of course, as, as, at 7 p.m. Central Time, it showed, you know, 99% chance Hillary Clinton's going to win the election. And then it just kept ticking a little farther to the left over and over, you know, as the hours went by. And then eventually, um, I don't even think it even said 100% that Trump had won because they just couldn't, they just couldn't handle that. So, uh, but, you know, that was, that was an election that nobody that wasn't, uh, 
either certifiably insane or a liar or a leftist, although I think those three things are often the same thing, um, <laughs> had any question about the integrity of the election. In fact, the, the, the attitude of all of us, whether you're on the left or the right, was, oh, my God, he did it. He won. I cannot believe the American people picked Donald Trump to be their next president. I mean, it, people were on the left and the right were gobsmacked. But nobody nobody thought that Donald Trump won because the election rules were rigged in his favor. <laughs> Obviously not true. They didn't think it was because, uh, you know, there was all those shenanigans going on. He didn't win because they mailed in ballots, um, you know, all over the country. I think it was 66 percent of all votes in the 2020 election were mail in ballots, uh, which is an enormous number. I think it's, uh, again, I think that's four, four times higher than ever in American history. None of that was present in 2016. Um, you know, the, the left and, and Hillary and the Democrats immediately ran out the next day and said, Russia stole the election for Donald Trump, somehow changing votes and all of that, all that nonsense. Nobody with an operating mind who wasn't an insane leftist truly believed that. And you couldn't believe it because there was no evidence of it. But in the 2020 election, all of that, you know, what we got was instead this um, mass mail-in voting, which cannot happen again, uh, widespread voter fraud, self-admitted by, by, by voters, that cannot be allowed to happen again. Um, so as strange as it may sound, I want to get us back to 2016, <laughs> where it may be a contentious and crazy election, but at least the American people can trust it uh, outside of complete radical nutjobs who are lying and coping with the fact that Hillary was a terrible candidate. Well, she was. But here, here, here's the thing, Jim, and you say the American people. I think at this point in our history, which I believe is now concluded, mostly because of that rigged election and because of what happened on January 6th, um, we are now two different people with the same name. Uh, you are, or I just call us the Americans, and I call the left, I call them the anti-Americans. So it is obviously now that they will literally... I think, you know, by any means necessary, for whatever you want to call it, that that is their operating philosophy. They no longer care about the Constitution. They no longer care about a fair fight. As Rush Limbaugh, peace be upon him, used to say, they don't want to they don't want to level the playing field. They want to clear the playing field. So I they're not we're not we're not dealing with people. They now see themselves as, you know, God is on their side. And so whatever they have to do to preserve, quote unquote, our precious democracy, which makes me vomit. Uh, is totally kosher because Trump is literally Hitler. Everybody who votes for him is literally a Nazi and we have to save our country, so on and so forth and blah, blah, blah down the line. So they will stop at nothing. And so it's not about, we have no more common ground. And so where is the, where is the motivation for them to want to go back to no more mail-in ballots, uh, no more absentee ballots, no more same day registration, no more ballot harvesting and so on and so forth, because they don't want to do that. They, they, you know, this is this is this is their mindset now, and it's really we're at a, we're at a very dangerous point in, in this in this country. Well, JJ, of course they don't have any motivation, um, but in your terminology, um, you know, this continent, most of this continent, being um, you know peopled by Americans and anti-Americans, if that's the terminology you used, the anti-Americans are super powerful. They're in they're in places of enormous power. But they are in the minority and very much in the minority. So you, you get you go to heartland.org, you get this report, and then you send it to your local state legislator and say, look at this. We are the majority and we are letting this radical anti-American fringe steal our country and steal our elections with these with with, with laws. And and you have to tell 
And it's going to be pretty much it's going to be Republicans who you'll have to contact to do this in these states because the current corrupt system is way too beneficial to that small minority of radical leftists who are in positions of power um, that run the institutions in this country. But you have to tell them you got to be strong. You got to stay firm. Do not buy this bullshit that um, cleaning out voter rolls of dead people is voter suppression or that it's racist or that it's anti-American or you want fewer people to vote. No. Don't fall for that. Stand up and say, no, I want every legitimate vote to count. I don't want my constituent over here to have their who's voted in every election for the last 50 years to have their vote canceled out by some by some criminal activity somewhere else in this state. Um, until more state legislators, frankly, stand up in the wells of their of their uh, legislatures and say these things out loud, this stuff won't change. And it is up to the people, frankly, to give our elected representatives the courage to do the right thing to save our elections and save this country. You're, you're absolutely right. But um, I, I, I think that, that both you and Sefton are, are placing blame where it does uh, insufficient blame, let's put it that way. And that is that the Republican Party, uh, specifically the corporate Republican Party of the United States, has been part and parcel of the destruction of, of our political process for as long as I can remember. And the... The reality of the Democrat Party is that they are that, that their lust for power is well known. These we know who they are. They are doing what they do. Uh, they're they're not going to change their spots. But the Republican Party has accepted this degradation of our political process for so long that they are at least as culpable as as the Democrats. Um, and and I think the reality of that is that they are not Republicans. They 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 fancy themselves as part of the elite. And that mm -hmm. is the danger that they that they have they have clearly separated themselves from the people of the United States, the people of America. And they they consider themselves more more aligned with these these hard leftists who are you know going gung ho for the destruction of, of our of our political process. You're 100 percent right. I mean, the, the the corporate Republicans, as you say, they are um, that class of Republican they're, they're quizlings at best and collaborators at worst. Yeah. And, you know, the American people for, you know, more than 200 years has put up with a hell of a lot of corruption in our elected officials. But at the very least, the American people, you know, you can deal with those politicians on an individual level. Um, but at least the American people as corrupt and how much contempt they may have for politicians and elected officials in general, at least for most of our history, have had confidence that our national elections for president have been on the up and up. And now half this country or more, I would think much more than half this country has reason to believe and no reason to think differently that our elections are not on the up and up. And it's not just because of the results of the poll that the Heartland Institute and Rasmussen did. It's not just because of the results of this study that we did digging deeper into those results. It's because our, our power centers, our elected officials have shown zero interest in shoring up our election system so that the American people at least have confidence in that. You know, we can, put, like I said, we could put up with a lot of corruption day to day in our state legislatures and in Congress and in the administrative state. Um, as long as it's so, as long as people believe that the elections are legit, you know, but when that's gone too, then you get absolute real chaos and potential for, for violence in the streets. You are worse than a banana Republic. At that point, you know how you, you, know, you know how chill, how chilling this is 
because it goes hand in hand with, with really the, 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 what we realized after the January 6th protest. After, after all these innocent people, and they really, some knuckleheads, but really nobody was really violent. The only violence that was about by, was by the, the, the plants in the audience from the Department of Justice. So what this does is now from now on, whenever you want to go to Washington, D.C. to protest, you're going to think twice about doing that because you don't want to get caught up in some freaking FBI freaking sting operation. And it's the same thing with the elections. People throw up their hands and we have to choose between whether it was Bush or, or, or freaking McCain or Romney. It used to be you kind of held your nose and you voted for the guy because at least, well, at least he wasn't a Democrat. But now and people threw up their hands and they used, and they used to say, well, why, why do I do that anymore? Well, now if the damn thing is rigged and we know it's rigged and we can't do anything about it. People are going to say, well, what the hell is the point of going to the polls anymore? And it has the exact chilling effect of knowing that if you go to protest or exercise your First Amendment rights, you might get arrested and, and railroaded into jail as, a, as an insurrectionist, spend you know, 20 years in Leavenworth. So this whole thing is just the rot of this, the rot of all of this corruption and all of this madness is just it's, it, it's reaching a, a breaking point one way or the other. You know, that's, that's an interesting point. And um, to make it even more unpleasant, uh, you know, you look at the, the typical banana republics that uh, are sometimes overthrown, sometimes not. But they're, they I, and I can't think of, of an example th- that this is not the case. They always got support from outside of their countries. But in the United States, uh, um, we, we have a culture that does not require any outside support. So. And I'm speaking specifically about gun culture. Um, we a a violent revolution can occur in a matter of days in the United States. There there is no foreign support necessary for that. You know, we we don't need Cuban uh, mercenaries coming in to help out. We we've got plenty of stuff here to to push to push a violent conclusion to what has been going on over the last 50 or 60 years well let me put a, let me put a caveat on that first before I, i'll give it to jim is that there in no way shape or form are we we advocating for any kind of violence if god forbid you know the worst comes to worse in the, in this scenario that doesn't preclude the fact that if your life is physically threatened that you should you know it, god forbid have, be in a situation where you have to use deadly force you use it but i just want to make it clear that we are not advocating any kind no, of I'm, not, I'm not advocating it. And no, the, but not, the reality but is that we have we have political violence in this country and and it's been going on for a long, long time. And it has gotten worse and worse and worse. Uh, you know, the, as Sefton calls it in his in his morning report, what is it? The summer of love, um, yeah. you know, and and let, let's let's go back to the Rodney King riots. Um, it, you know, the, these things happen in the United States and then back into the 60s when we had ho- horrible, horrible violence in the inner cities. Um but none of that has been fomented by the right. None. And I mean, you can, I guess, well, no, I, I can, can any of can either of you think of a, of a significant, a violent episode of the United States that was fomented by the right. I'm not talking no, about individual. I'm not yeah, talking about blowing yeah. up a, a, a federal building. No, that was not right. And that was not. I reject that. That's not of the quota. That's why I hate the right left center paradigm, because it's total bullshit. You're either pro-American or you're pro-freedom or you're a pro-communist tyranny. That's there's no middle ground. What the what the knucklehead who blew, blew, God forbid, blew up the mirror building was doing. He was just a lone wolf nut who was a, a crazy chucklehead and had nothing to do with conservatism, with freedom and with anything. And he just went off of his rocker and it was disavowed by everyone. 
And I just, I, but beyond that CBD, no, there is no such thing as an organized right wing white supremacist insurrectionist, whatever you want to call it. It's bullshit. It's total shit. And Joe Maddox was on many times and he said, look, the only white supremacists there are in this country of 330 plus million and growing thanks to an erased border, it's basically maybe 10 to 15,000 people. And the majority of them are behind bars in the prison as members of the Aryan Brotherhood, period. Right. There is no such a thing as an organized right wing. And half uh, of their contacts in their phones are FBI informants. Bingo. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, at the risk of, uh, of pissing off JJ and nobody wants to do that. What? Uh, to take it back to <laughs> to take it back to CBD's uh, you know characterization of left wing violence and quote unquote right wing violence and give me examples of right wing violence and JJ as as you've written and everybody listening to this podcast knows the summer of love of 2020 was entirely <laughs> lefty communist organized um, funded rioting in city after city to create chaos to help. Um, well, to help defeat Donald Trump. That's what it was about. Everybody knows that's what it was about. And uh, so, but if you were to label one, the only significant um, violent act by anybody not on the left, let's say that, would be, okay. if you want to say it that way, January 6th. And what? And so, it, again, I, I wouldn't grant that, that it was a riot, but l- let's just grant that point just for a moment. What were they there? What, what was the riot about? The riot was about... Um, again, granting all of kind of basically all of the characteristics or the characterization of the left about January 6th. What were they there? What were they riding over? They're riding over what they thought and with good reason was a rigged election. So that's a very good point. That's, that's what it was about. That's the only (laughs) thing. That's the only thing the right has ever gotten outside. Has ever ever gone outside and gotten violent over was what was, what was they saw as a rigged election and evidence continued was was present then and our report shows that it's it's present even more so now that that election wasn't on the up and up well of course but here's the thing though the the rioting quote-unquote was not even it wasn't even first of all everybody was there they call it an insurrection there was nobody that was armed you only armed people with i mean jacob chansley wearing a freaking bison helmet and yowling at the moon is not a freaking armed and carrying a pole is not an armed insurrectionist it's ridiculous. The, the only the, the violence occurred because there were agents provocateur in the crowd from Antifa and BLM and the FBI that were and and this what's his name uh, the Ray, Ray Epps who did not kill right. himself. Um, you know he was the one that was that, that was ch- t- telling people to go in and do do crazy shenanigans. But it was the cops that let everybody in and were giving them guided tours. The worst that anybody ever did was post a nasty note on Nancy Pelosi's desk and put his feet up on it. So if that's right. a riot. And the dead people were, were may they rest in peace, Ashley Babbitt and Roseanne Boylan, who one was shot by a cop and the other one was stomped to death by by, by police and they did nothing. So, right, whatever. right. Gr- gr- granted all of that. But, but, but just maybe a better way to put it is like, why were they even outside in Washington, D.C. that day? Exactly. They were exercising their First Amendment right of protest, period. Yes. And non-violent, generally speaking, nonviolently. Because they thought the election was rigged. And exactly. now um, expressing publicly expressing your your thoughts that the election was not on the up and up is now almost akin to a federal crime. Yes. Yeah, well, with that's that, chilling. we're going to take a, a short break and we will come back with, uh, with more from Jim Lakely of the Heartland Institute.
back. J.J. Sefton here on Cut Jim Newsletter Radio Network with uh, CBD and the great Jim Lakely, the Vice President of Communications at the Invaluable Heartland Institute. We were talking about the, the, the insane poll where we proved one in five or maybe one in four uh, people actually committed election fraud in 2020. And then the drill down that they did, the follow up that showed that even if you out, if you if you ruled out so many levels of, of uh, cheating down to almost three percent, Donald Trump wins every every handily wins the Electoral College. But anyway, um, Jim Lakely, CBD, I think we want to go to another subject. So I'll let you uh, introduce that. Yeah, we um, before we started uh, recording, we, we talked briefly about uh, Mark Stein. Uh, who was uh, actually just almost destroyed um, yesterday afternoon by a uh, a guilty verdict in a defamation trial brought by Michael Mann, who was a sleazy cocksucker, um, fake uh, global warming piece of shit. Sorry about that, mm-hmm. folks, but he really is. And uh, he 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 took uh, St- uh, Mark Stein to court um, over some some made up defamation charge and unfortunately this uh was just heard in a uh, federal um court uh, in washington dc it was a, a dc jury and insanely they held uh for michael mann i'm gonna let the uh, jim go after this because i'm getting angrier and angrier as i think about it i can see that you know i like to use salty language sometimes but now i you know i had to get out the fainting couch for that one with cbd <laughs> No, is in fact, if you wanted to get caught up on all the the happenings at the at the Michael Mann versus Mark Stein and Rand Simberg trial, you can go to Heartland's uh, the Heartland Institute's YouTube channel. It's just Heartland Institute, very easy to find. We've been covering it on a show that we do every Friday at uh, one p.m. Eastern time called Climate Change Roundtable. And I followed. I know Mark Stein personally, um, which which is a great honor for me because he's just a fantastic writer. He might be the the best. Uh, purveyor of the English language in popular media today. He's just outstanding. And, uh, you know, he wrote a 270-word blog post that supposedly defamed Michael Mann and made fun of his hockey stick graph that supposedly shows that human activity um, in the last 100 years or so is boiling the planet. Uh, he called that a fraud, uh, which is what it is. It's uh, The science is bullshit. Uh, and it was actually proven in trial in that way. But this was a a, DC, a federal court in Washington, D.C., and uh, what we ended up with was basically reverse jury nullification, where no matter what was presented in court, the jury was going to decide for Michael Mann and for, quote-unquote, climate science and punish Mark Stein as severely as possible. Um, it, was, it, it was The burden was on Michael Mann to prove that he was defamed to present evidence in this case that he was defamed, that he was harmed um, personally and professionally and financially by a 270 word blog post by Mark Stein in national review uh, way back in 2012. Anybody following the trial would see that he did not even come close to proving that. In fact, he, he, he actually presented very little evidence at all um, that he was financially professionally reputationally harmed by Mark Stein. And, and like when I say that, I, I don't mean that he produced weak evidence or only a little bit of suggestive evidence. He produced zero evidence. And in fact, the defense uh, for supposedly um, Michael Mann suffering um, so badly 
um, because of this alleged defamation by Mark Stein, uh, the defense presented as in their side of the case that Michael Mann's income had gone up, his professional standing had gone up. He's now an Ivy League professor, no longer at that uh, cr you know crummy state state funded school like Penn State. Now he's at Penn. He's in the Ivy League, and his personal appearances with celebrity climate idiots like Leo DiCaprio and Bill Maher and other places those have all gone up. Now, if you're trying to prove defamation, you have to prove harm. And the opposite has actually happened since that blog post. But that didn't matter to this jury. Um, they were told um, illegally um, by their uh, by man's attorney, by the way, that um, they should rule against anybody who's attacking climate science. There was an objection to this in the closing arguments, but it was too late. It had already gotten to the minds of the jurors, which I think was already baked in anyway. Um, you know, and so Mark, Mark uh, they actually awarded... Um, Rand Simberg was a co-defendant in this case. He, he wrote uh, a blog post as well at the same time uh, for uh, a blog run by the Competitive Enterprise Institute, CEI. And the jury found that both Rand Simberg and, Mike, and uh, Mark Stein owed Michael Mann $1 in compensatory damages. $1 each. Compensatory, meaning, um, you know, uh, making up for financially the damage that had been done by these two gentlemen. So $1, obviously there was no, there was nothing to compensate, but they also got to the punitive damages and said, Rand Simberg, you must pay $1,000 in punitive damages to Michael Mann for your attacks on climate science, apparently. And you, Mr. Mark Stein, you will pay $1 million in, in punitive damages to, uh, to Michael Mann. Um, that is absurd, and it's obviously, um, as I said, kind of reverse uh, jury nullification, that no matter what they were going to rule, it was just a matter of how hard they were going to punish. And, you know, as I watched this, it was, I was as shocked at this result. I guess I shouldn't have been. I should know better. But I was as shocked at this as I was for the OJ decision. I, couldn't, I watched a lot of that, and I could not believe what the jury had come back with. And that was also jury nullification. In other words, nothing that... Um, no matter what the evidence was against OJ, they were never going to convict. And in this case, no matter how little evidence, and by that I mean none, that Michael Mann presented, they were not going to rule against him. They were going to rule um, against the defendants because of their quote-unquote attacks on climate science. So this yesterday, that this decision came down yesterday, or I should say um, Thursday of this week. It's a very dark day for justice. It's a very dark day for the, the idea of freedom of speech. I mean, it's difficult to get a. It's actually notoriously difficult for a public figure like Michael Mann to successfully sue somebody for defamation, because we have something called the First Amendment. It's easy to. It's actually a lot easier to do this in the United Kingdom, because they do not have it. They do not have a First Amendment, but we have one here. And now, apparently, this uh, federal jury in Washington D.C. Um, uh, we now live in an America where the First Amendment, uh, your First Amendment rights are forfeit. If uh, you are on the right and you're criticizing somebody on the left, uh, it's it's horrible for justice. And uh, I, I actually hope that, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's going to be an appeal, but um, to, to, to give you just one last bit of how absurd this is, the Supreme Court actually has very uh, strong and longstanding precedent that punitive damages cannot, um, it's unconstitutional for punitive damages to amount to more than 10 times compensatory damages. So just on that alone, the idea that <laughs> the idea that Mark Stein a million times more, yes, a million Jesus. times more. 
So I, I actually joked when I saw that. I said, you know, on the way out of the courtroom, Mark Stein should uh, pull a $10 bill out of his pocket and throw it at Michael Mann and say, we're even and and walk off. But, you know, that was just kind of my little. Fantasy. No, here, here, here's the thing. It's like, what have, what have we just discussed the last hour you know, about you know, going about the, the lack of justice and free speech and so on and so forth and, and the madness of of, of uh, you know banana republicanism? Uh, it's you know it's like they said in Apocalypse Now. It's like a, this kind of a verdict is now it's like handing out speeding tickets at the Indianapolis Five Hundred. Yeah. This is, but this is the issue right now. We have we have we we have we have the twin problems in the United States of lack of respect. Uh, actually, no respect for the rule of law and no respect for the laws governing uh, our voting. And this is a perfect example. The, you know, the, the connection, I think, is stark. And the fact that that Michael Mann is is is, is has now been rehabilitated in the in the uh, in the eyes of the media. Well, he's always been rehabilitated. He was because, never. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, he's never been criticized. And by the way, folks, his his work was nonsense. He tried to. He tried to correlate uh, tree rings and temperature, but he played around with the data so much that he got that hockey stick uh, graph, and it's bullshit. Uh, I, I, I would, you know, it, the it idea that, that he that he discarded some of the data um, is 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 anti science, and yet yeah. he he got away with it and became quite famous for it. You know, it, it was bullshit because you know, first of all, the the, the if you want to believe it or not, it's his, it's a pit, his, his, and the climate research and uh, climate research unit at a place called East Anglia university in England. And what happened was about, I think around 2010 or 2009, uh, of all people that, the, the, if you want to, whatever the Chinese hacked the data, they hacked all their emails and they released the emails to show that what they were doing was total was not even science. It was the worst. It was literally you know, it made Claudine Gay look like frickin' uh, frickin' Galileo Galilei. I mean, it was ridiculous, and it was a total fraud, a total sham, and, and, and total bullshit. And that's what Mark Stein was 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 showing. And to your, your point, CBD, yeah, it was tree ring tree rings analysis. They literally cut down. They they took the cores of like three thousand trees, and about two thousand nine hundred ninety eight of them showed normal. Did not prove anything. There were two of them that were an anomaly. And that's what they use to, to claim that the earth is the atmosphere is boiling away because of man's activity. But it's it's just it's joke science. It's joke everything. It's joke bullshit. And by the way, who else is going to be on trial and is on trial in Washington, D.C.? A guy named Donald Trump. And yep. it's just, you know, this is whatever. It's it's everything is corrupt. And and, and uh, I can't even speak anymore. Well, we, we talked, I mean, we talked in the beginning of this podcast about the study from the Heart Institute on, on the election and how people do not have trust in, our, they have good reason to not have any faith and trust in our election system anymore because it's been corrupted by the ruling class. It's been used as a tool of power and retaining power. And it's not reflective of what it's, it's not what it's supposed to be, which is reflective of the will of the people. Um, and this trial actually in uh, in man versus stein is another example of that i mean the the our institutions are almost entirely weaponized and turned against one half of this entire country um you know i don't mean to get too far in the weeds but you know this isn't even it shouldn't even really even be about the science i mean this was a this was about as a slam dunk case for dismissal in fact it never she should have even gotten to a jury uh the judge should have um, dismissed it summarily when it was obvious that Michael Mann did not 
even approach proving his case and the burden of proof was on him. Can you, can you imagine being um, being burdened with proving something and, and not even actually even lifting much of a finger to even do it and know that you will still win because you're you've chosen Washington, D.C. as your venue and you know what kind of people will be on that jury. They will all be leftists. I looked it up the other day. Ninety two point eight percent of residents of Washington, D.C. voted for Joe Biden. So, you know, Michael Mann had to at, had least, to at least once, <laughs> at, least, <laughs> at least at once. least once. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Let's give him statehood. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So th- this was th- this happened quite a while ago. And I'm curious. Um, so Michael Mann was at Penn State. Yeah. Um, when this was, no, was Pitt. he was at he was at Pitt University of no, Pitt. No, 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 no. Oh, That's my Penn alma mater. Do, do not put that that piece of shit at my school. Yeah, he was at, he Penn, was at State. Penn State. <laughs> And uh, now this this is correlation. This is not causation, but this is correlation. A man named Jerry Sandusky was also there at the same time. Jesus Christ. You know, and I'm just curious whether Michael Mann knew Jerry Sandusky. I I, I don't know. I'm just asking the questions. Does anybody have any comment about that? Well, Well, we'll leave that one one alone. But, uh, you know, I'm just asking questions here, folks. Yeah. So we have to dust the showers for fingerprints, but uh, I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, I'm going to hide either. the decline. And anyway, anyway. All right. But this is you're right. I mean, guy, it's just you know, you we we it's it's not even a two tiered justice system. It's a it's a totally corrupted justice system, and it's like yeah, the bur- the burden of proof supposedly was for Michael Mann to or to or whatever to uh, to prove that he was whatever. Now the burden of proof is on the innocent party, yeah. you know, to prove that. Uh, to prove that he's, I mean, Nancy Pelosi even said that. I mean, brain damage that she is, but she, I mean, she, through her brain damage, the truth comes out. She kept going time and time again. It's up to Donald Trump to prove that he's not an insurrectionist and he's not literally Hitler. And I'm well, saying, in this, you know, in, the, in this case, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, but in this case, even if even if the burden of proof was on Mark Stein to prove his innocence, he did, he did yeah. so clearly, and it still didn't matter, not yeah. not to a DC jury, and so. You know, when when the American people are losing faith in in all the institutions in this country, because, again, they see them being weaponized against people who disagree with leftists. And this this can't continue. Our elections are messed up for this reason. Our justice system is messed up for this reason. And uh, yeah, Banana Republic, JJ, you're right. We're living in one now. People don't want to admit it, but that's where we are. Yeah, you know, I've I've resisted. I've resisted the uh, that description of the United States, but it's becoming more and more difficult to to argue the point. So um, we're we're running up against a hard stop right now. But I would like to to uh, put Jim on the spot. Um, We have a uh, rather important presidential election coming up in November of this year. Jim, what's going to happen? Who's going to win and what's going to happen? Oh, boy. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. You mean after, um, you know, well, when a, when a sitting president um, has a special counsel release a report that characterizes him as committing crimes, but that he's too doddering and, uh, you know, there's too many memory lapses. And in other words, he's not mentally fit to go to trial. So we won't we won't charge him. Um, you would think that that would mean Joe Biden would lose the election. Uh, I'm not quite so sure. <laughs> but if I had to pick right temptation now. Yeah, I know. But, you know, you're putting me on the spot. I'm actually I'm actually um, predicting uh, I, I think Donald Trump will win the election um, that, of course, we just talked about election integrity and how the elections are, are a complete mess and a disaster. But um, there's a part of me that believes that enough people will vote against Joe Biden 
um, above even levels of massive voter fraud across the country to, um, you know, put Donald Trump over the top. But maybe that's just putting hope before experience. Well, I'm in the same boat. I agree. Um, I'm hoping that Donald Trump will win. And I, as as I have said many, many times in the past, I'm no fan of Donald Trump at this point. I think that uh, his ego has um, has subsumed everything else. But um, his, what he could do for the United States in a, in a second four-year term is tremendous. And I think that enough of the bloom has disappeared from the uh, – from the, that dis, this disgusting old man in the White House, that there is a possibility that Donald Trump will will beat the cheat and uh, and win in November of 2024. And I, I'm going to vote early. I'm going to vote often. I'm going to start harvesting um, mail-in ballots. I'm going to go up and down my street and taking them out of all the uh, the mailboxes. Uh, you please know, don't please don't do that. <laughs> let's let's, let's, get, you, let's Folks, get you in the next that, this is called poll. this is called humor. I yes. know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, you know we'll, we'll, I'm we'll saying, get you in our next. Heart, we'll get you in our next Heartland poll, CBD. You will, if you can do if you can pull <laughs> off three of the five uh, methods of fraud in our poll, I'll, you can send me a note and I'll give you a, you know a free Heartland mug. Look, well, look, I like look at that. this way. Yeah, as a uh, as someone who I will I'll admit to you, and this is not a Heartland poll, but I think I've basically broken eight out of the ten ten commandments in my life, or seven out of ten. Hopefully, not the, the crazy ones. But in any event, my my prediction, and I think I think Donald Trump will overcome the cheat uh, to 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 win this thing because I think too many people now are so just enraged of be, between the as we talked about the 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 the. the Turning our our children our children into freaking sex slaves for the left, uh, and also the the erased border, which is destroying everything in its path. Most primarily are the the crime wave with it, and also the the, the financial costs of it, along with the, the the everything else that's been destroyed with the with the with the in the economy. So I think Donald Trump will win, and in a weird way, and this is kind of a bit of gallows humor, if you will. I almost think the left want Donald Trump to win so they can so they can cause really mayhem that's that's not that's not to be believed and really you know revolution you know for the hell of it or, well, or whatever you know the, the the fact is that the left uh re react quite swiftly to losses um they will rejigger uh the the entire democrat apparatus if they lose in 2024 um we will and this is my prediction we will see a huge rush to youth in the in in every democrat candidate for everything from dog catcher to senator to president and they they will they will re-energize their party and they will give even a donald trump run republican party run for their money yikes <laughs> yeah no look With listen they're better at it look, yeah. let's be honest the left are better at it than than the right we, we, and the we is, suck and the at politics well, you know, the thing is, with that, though, beyond sucking at politics, it's also the, the fact of the matter is we are no longer we view the world and we view the things. I mean, we, we try to be as open minded and see things as they are, but there's still this thing of seeing things the way we want to see them as they always were in the past. And CBD, to your point, they're going to go for the youth. All right. But they're going to go for the youth that where, you know, that are the Einsatz group. Oh, yeah. Groupies that are cheering on the cheering on the death of Jews, the death of whites and the death of everybody. They're going to have the most radical people you can imagine beyond that. What is radical to this day, uh, not only in, in positions of power, but also in their base. And so, uh, you know, Octavio this Cortez, is 
you know, when, when, what's her name? AOC. Um, yeah. Jenny Canova. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to, to use the, the, the less rude uh, nicknames for her. AOC is going to be the voice of reason in the Democrat party in 10 years. So right. no, I'm not, I, I see, I see nothing impeding the, the hardline Marxists, the, the rabid Jew hating America hating, uh, 20 somethings, um, taking power in the in the Democrat Party over the next 10 years. I think it's going to happen. And I think it's going to be a tremendous problem for even uh, conservatives such as the three of us. See, uh, Jim, Jim Lakely, the last word, the final word. Well, what you just described, CBD, sounds like a whole other podcast. I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> I do not have another three hours to give you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's been great to be on on your fantastic podcast. I listen to every episode. I encourage everyone listening to visit heartland.org where you can see the results of our poll and also the results of our study about those poll results uh, showing how voter fraud, massive, widespread mail-in voter fraud, uh, maybe gave us the wrong president. No, nah, it didn't maybe. It gave us the wrong president. Yep. So There you go. Go to heartland.org. So Perfect. Heartland.org. You got it, ladies and gentlemen. So for CBD and the great Jim Lakely, the VP over at the Heartland Institute, it's JJ Sefton here for the Cut Jib News Radio Network around the world, across the nation, and up your street. Thank you so much for your support, and we will see you again on the next one. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for listening, folks.